fish, a fire, and forgiveness. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. Mary, when I was reading the story today, I was reminded of laying in bed, this is many years ago, laying in bed one morning, knowing that we both needed to get up and get going with our day, and you turned to me and said, David, do you want to be like Jesus? And I looked at you and said, well, of course I want to be like Jesus. She goes, well, if you want to be like Jesus, remember that Jesus made breakfast for his disciples. So if you really want to be like Jesus, mm, you can go make breakfast. (laughs) I thought that was pretty good, pretty clever. Our story today, Jesus makes breakfast for his disciples. That's right, David. We're reading today from John chapter 21 verses 1 through 17, and yes, Jesus makes breakfast. Actually, in context here, we have to remember that Jesus has risen from the dead, and he has not yet ascended to the Father. There's 40 days that Jesus is meeting with disciples. He's appearing to different people so that people can have a chance to witness the fact that he has risen from the dead. Our story begins in Galilee, and some of the followers were together, it says in verse 2, and actually seven of them were mentioned, five are named, two are not named, and Peter just says, I'm going to fish. Now, David, you said, and as we read, this opens in Galilee, the Lake of Galilee. The last time I was reading, they were in Jerusalem. That was where Jesus was when he raised from the dead. How did they get to Galilee? Well, they've had to walk to Galilee. It's a couple of days journey. Yeah. I mean, there's several appearances of Jesus after his resurrection, some in Jerusalem and some in Galilee. So here is one in Galilee. Back to fishing, back to what Peter did before Jesus came along and called him as a apostle or a disciple. So, yeah, Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. And six others says, well, us too. We're coming with you. So they're out on the lake again, doing what, at least Peter's doing what he knows to do. Well, they fish all night, but they caught nothing, it says in verse 3. But there's a figure that appears on the shore and calls out to them to say, put the nets on the other side. And so they do. And they caught so many fish, it says, they could even pull the net back into the boat. But then, well, it says here, the beloved disciple. So one says to Peter, hey, that's Jesus. It's Jesus that was calling to them on the boat. So Jesus is in Galilee also, and he's calling to them. This beloved disciple recognizes Jesus, but it's Peter who actually jumps in the water. And he gets to the shore before the boat gets to the shore. They weren't very far from shore, about 100 yards, about 100 meters So Peter had to swim that distance, but he gets to the shore before the boat does. And then the boat comes ashore. They saw the fire of hot coals, and there was fish cooking on the fire, and also there was bread to eat as well. It kind of reminds me when I read this, David, of a couple of different 
events that we've talked about before. I mean, back to the feeding of the 5,000 fish, even the bread and the fact that Jesus is serving that bread and laying out the food. It's reminding me of the Last Supper in a way. Actually, throughout the story, there are so many allusions to other events in the life of Jesus and the disciples. And I guess it's in that in-between time. You know, he was with them all the time. They followed him and they traveled together. But now it's he's with them sometimes. He's with others sometimes. And soon he will be leaving to return to his father. So this is an in-between time in a way. And it's a special time, again, to share a meal together. They've done this before. These special times involve eating together. And so Jesus says to the disciples when they get to shore, hey, bring some of the fish that you caught. So what does Peter do? It's Peter, actually, again, who takes action. He goes into the boat, and he pulls the net to the shore. It seemed like he did this by himself. It was full of big fish, And an odd thing, it seems very odd, there were 153 fish. That's a precise number. And And that number has generated a lot of discussion and a lot of speculation on what does that mean? Who took the time to actually count the number of fish? And it does mean something more than just the actual number of fish. It does have a symbolic significance. Many Bible readers, many Bible scholars suggest that it actually symbolically depicts the church's mission of bringing people to faith in Jesus and the new life that he brings. And we see this idea actually carried forward in the following dialogue between Peter and Jesus. Though there were so many fish, the net did not tear And so Jesus invites them to eat. And then, curiously, the text says, none of the followers dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. That seems kind of odd. I think that the idea is that this is an actual appearance of Jesus. This is not a ghost or an apparition or anything like this. This is the Jesus that died, that they saw die on a cross and was buried. And this is the Jesus before them right now, very much alive. I think that's the idea. So Jesus and the disciples are eating together. They're eating fish together. But then the conversation shifts. And instead of a larger group, we find just Jesus speaking to Peter, who, remember, denied Jesus three times. And here it's so beautiful. We find Jesus giving Peter three chances to kind of come right again, to make it all right. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? And then Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you. But in the original language, there are two different words for love that are used The word that Jesus uses is the word agape, which is not an emotional word. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love where you seek the best in the other. Whatever you do, it's for their best, their good. It doesn't matter how much it costs you or how you feel about it. That's the highest, deepest kind of love. And that's what Jesus was asking Peter. Do you love me more than these? And the these, I believe, he was referring to the fish. Do I come before the fish? 
Meaning his livelihood, I guess, because Peter was a fisherman and his first go-to after he was confused was to go back to that livelihood. That was the safe place. That's what he knew. But Jesus was asking for more. Right. He was. And all Peter could say, I love you. He used another word, phileo, which is the friendship love. And so I think Peter was basically saying, yeah, Jesus, I'm your friend, and I want to be your friend. I don't think he could finally commit himself to the agape love because his denial is too fresh in his mind. He's being a little humble, which is good. Jesus asked the second time, using the same word agape, and Peter says the same thing back. Yes, Lord, you know I want to be your friend. And on the third time, Jesus uses the same word as Peter. Peter, do you want to be my friend? And Peter says, yes, Lord, I want to be your friend. But each time, Jesus said, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Do you think Jesus changed that question to meet Peter where he was? Peter couldn't quite go where Jesus was asking him to go yet, but it's as if Jesus is asking Peter to live into that. By feeding his sheep, he would be obeying And eventually, Peter would be able to give that sacrificial love. I think we see Jesus not expecting more from Peter than Peter is able to give right now. And that says something about Jesus and how he responds to us and how he wants us to be. This episode seems to be Jesus forgiving Peter for his denial and giving Peter another chance. And it's significant to me In verse 17, it says, Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time. I read this and I'm thinking, sometimes when you love someone, sometimes when you are striving for a deep relationship, whether it's in marriage or in friendship, it sometimes takes some hard conversations. Sometimes you really have to be uncomfortable before you can get to a place you both need to be. And it did hurt Peter. The rest of the New Testament tells us that Peter did love Jesus sacrificially. He did go on to feed those lambs. Peter was a follower of Jesus to the end of his life. And that gives me hope. I want to follow Jesus, and I pray that he'll be patient with me and allow me to grow like Peter grew. I think that's wonderful. Peter failed Jesus miserably, but this wasn't the end of Peter. And Jesus knew that. And he needed to convince Peter of that as well. You see, this wasn't the end of Peter. This was only actually the beginning of the impact that Peter was to make for Jesus in this world. And as you mentioned, Mary, later, we know his impact. And he does feed Jesus' sheep and tend his flock. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 5, 1-4, about himself being an elder. He's writing to his fellow elders about taking care of God's flock under the chief shepherd, which is Jesus. Peter was this shepherd of God's flock or of Jesus's flock. And we can read about Peter in the book of Acts and where he was bold and he committed his life to Jesus. And he did grow into that agape love for Jesus. Well, church history tells us that Peter was in in Rome 
when Nero was persecuting Christians and that Peter was arrested by the Romans and he was sentenced to be crucified. And he was crucified upside down at his own request because he said he wasn't worthy to be crucified in the same way as his Lord. Wow, that's amazing. In a way, impetuous to the end, but intentional to the end. Peter knew he was not perfect, but he continued to fight the battles he needed to fight with his own personality, with his own flaws, and he allowed God to use him in amazing ways. What an example. This is a tender story or tender scene between Jesus and Peter and how Jesus is wooing Peter back and calling him to be something great. One of the lessons that I get from this is that our God is a God of the second chance. And that's good news for me. And I hope it's good news for you. Jesus is not only willing to forgive, but he's also willing to value us as useful to him. What a great honor he gives Peter. It reminds me, when Jesus sees me, he doesn't see me as a human being, but maybe as a human becoming. And I love Jesus for that. David, as you're teaching this event in the life of Christ, when you have a class of adults, what kind of things might you do to help this passage come alive? I think I would want to focus on this dialogue between Jesus and Peter, because Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? And I do believe that Jesus was pointing at the fish, and fishing was Peter's vocation, and Jesus was calling Peter to a different vocation, feeding his sheep. Does Jesus come first? We can ask ourselves the question, Do we love Jesus? Do I love Jesus more than my livelihood, my life, or whatever's important to me? Does Jesus come first? And you can ask this question. How much did you love Jesus when you first became a Christian? And then reflecting on your life now, how much do you love Jesus now? And just compare those two. And how do you know you love Jesus more now than you did then? Just compare those two. Another thing that can be done is to write a letter to Jesus. And in the letter, you're doing two things. You want to thank Jesus for loving you to the very end and how his love makes you feel, how you respond to his love. And the second thing you can write in the letter is how you want to love Jesus more, more than anything else. And how can you feed Jesus' sheep? So you can write that in a letter to Jesus. So Mary... How can this lesson relate to children? What's the glitter? This is one of those lessons when you read it, when you think about teaching children, they can actually really understand this picture of Jesus on the beach, the disciples out on a boat, the fishing, the fishing net, the fire, eating together. All of that is a great mental picture easy to see in our minds. But of course, make that real. One way you could do that is how about looking at Google Maps and finding the Sea of Galilee? I did that one day and I found pictures associated with Google Maps, found pictures of children swimming in the Sea of Galilee. And the kids in my Bible class were so interested in that. But just making all those places real. Every craft you ever wanted to do is probably in this story. You can make boats. You can make fish. You can make a little campfire out of pretzels and lollies. And there's so many different things. You could even make sheep craft. Crafts galore here. All of those are not just to make crafts, but 
to help them remember the story and think about it. They can eat fish and bread together to feel that they are part of that story. Not so sure about that fire. Some of you brave teachers in particular situations might could do that. You might just make fish sticks or fish and chips. But like I said, there's so many things in this story that children relate to and understand. Be sure you talk about forgiveness. Be sure you talk about what it means to mess up, to do something wrong, and then to be given another chance, because that's what it was for Peter. He was given another chance by Jesus. So all of those are great. I do want to say one thing as a teacher that I noticed about Jesus. I always am touched by that because I feel like Jesus was truly the greatest teacher. And something he does here so well is he takes this meal, these fish, all that everyone is thinking about, and he uses that to segue into a teaching So he's taking them from eating fish to talking about loving him more than fish. He shifts everything so quickly, but so well and so smoothly. And that's what I want to do as a teacher. All these things I do in Bible class, all that glitter, those are just ways of segueing into the deeper truths that I'm trying to teach. And I love that about Jesus. And that's the kind of teacher I want to be. You know, Mary, that's a good reminder, and that's the kind of teacher I want to be, too. May God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.